want to welcome you to Season 2 of The Edge of the Airy, a podcast that is intended to highlight some of the amazing staff and stakeholders that we have at Lincoln Charter and to share some of the college experiences of our guests. Thanks for listening. All right, so let's get to Season 2, and I'm super excited about this episode's guest. Today, I am very privileged to speak with our very own coach, Scott Fowler, who is a reporter for the Charlotte Observer and an accomplished author. Mr. Fowler has written for the Observer since 1994. He's authored or co-authored eight books, including four about the hometown Carolina Panthers. He has earned 20 national APSE, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the Associated Press Sports Editors Award, uh, writing awards, and he's hosted the Observer's podcast, Caruth, which Sports Illustrated named 2018's Podcast of the Year. In addition, his new podcast and online series is called The Sports Legends of the Carolinas, which features one-on-one interviews with North Carolina and South Carolina sports icons. Most importantly of all of that, Coach Fowler is a father, husband, and uh, he's coached tennis for us for many years, I believe since 2010. Coach Fowler, welcome to the Edge of the Area. This might be the greatest honor of my career, Jonathan, <laughs> so thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. And we don't have video in this podcast, but you're wearing a throwback coaching um, shirt and uh, that our that our viewers don't have the uh, the ability to see. But it's uh, it's good to see you here in the the studio as as it is, and uh, it's good to talk to you. So thanks for doing this. Um, why don't you? Uh, that was a little bit of a. a introduction, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your your family, and maybe your, your history at Lincoln Charter. Yeah, um, the Lincoln Charter history for me is interesting. I was just counting this up. So mostly what I've been here before, more than anything else, is a parent. So I'm speaking a lot to the parents, I guess, uh, who mm-hmm. are listening to this. I have been a parent for 50 school years, 5-0. That's 13 with Chapel, my oldest, and then 13 with Salem, our second, 13 with London, our third. And now Georgia has gone through 11. She is a, uh, now she's an 11th grader. So I guess we're going into our 51st school year. All that, only one broken bone out of 50 school years. <laughs> Chapel in first grade fell off a uh, the playground equipment here. Totally his fault. Was nothing to do with Lincoln Charter. The but... lawsuit has been settled. There's no uh, <laughs> right. no pending litigation on That's that. Right. No right? pending litigation. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was yeah that was early. That was only our second of fifty, and we stuck around. And um, we've been here as parents for twenty years. Uh, Chapel, I think, enrolled in two thousand three. So we're big big fans of the school, Lincoln Charter. I mean, we've we've just love it. We've had all four of ours go here, uh, and so I have coached here for the last. 13 or 14 years. Varsity tennis now, I started with um, middle school. I did the boys team. So we need more boys players. So anybody who wants to play in the spring, please come out. And that is what I do for my volunteer. I just, I I enjoy that very much. And you read, right. My real job is the Charlotte Observer. Uh, I'm married to Elise. Elise uh, Mundy originally. Her dad was a principal in in Denver, North Carolina at Rock Springs Elementary for 20 years. Awesome. Jim Mundy. And he, uh, the track over there is still named for him. 
Mm-hmm. Is anything named for you, Jonathan? No, sir. No, not yet. Thank goodness. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Couldn't right. handle the pressure. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, uh, so that's, yes, she's very much homegrown. And so I, we met on the in the Charlotte Observer between the second and third floors of the escalator. Uh, and then uh, she said, well, if we're going to get married, you'll need to move to Denver, which I never knew of, of Denver, but I've lived here about 25 years myself. Mm-hmm. Very good. There's a decent amount of that that I didn't know. So very much appreciate your family and um, all the the contributions um, that your kids have given back to the school and, and you certainly with your volunteering and coaching and, and whatnot. Are there any of those coaching moments or tennis moments that stick out in your head in the time that you've been the fearless leader of the tennis program? <laughs> yeah, we've had a few. Um, I, I think maybe one of the very first was in middle school. So when we started, we were really terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had great, great kids, and I still remember some of those. Chapel was in sixth grade, so that's why I started. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, the, we were kind of beginning the middle school program. I think they might have had a high school program there. Then it went away for a while, and then as he advanced, I, we moved into the high school. Uh, but our very first time we won a match, which was, it took a very long time. I think we lost a lot in a row to begin with. Um, and when we did, those kids, I mean, they were so happy. And that was, you know, of all of them, and I've probably coached, probably had more than 100 wins at some level. Uh, that that first one, you can't really beat it. Yep. You know, we've had some wonderful players here. And, uh, you know, and I, and I try to support all the athletes here. But Georgia is a uh, women's soccer player playing for the mm-hmm. great Coach Soto now. Yep. Uh, who's, you know, just, uh, there's just a lot of great coaches at this school that have been here a long time. I mean, Josh Williams and, you know, all the others we've had over the years. Uh, so that's one of the one of the reasons I'm really fond of the athletic program and try to support it. Yep. We were talking about some of the volunteering that you've done at the school Early on, I believe you had a volunteer role with our PE program that's grown a little bit since then. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, yeah. I mean, this is hard to believe, uh, probably Lincoln Charter family, but there was no PE teachers in elementary school. I mean, this was, we were at the old building. We weren't in this nice new place and uh, it was super basic. So I was the kindergarten volunteer PE teacher for my son's class and then some occasionally other classes uh, if they needed it. There were several parental volunteers that did this. And um, my one invention that I was proudest of was uh, what I called two ball soccer. We Mm -hmm. played soccer, but with two balls and two goalies at the same time so that it was a little more chaotic, more kids had a chance to to kick the ball. (laughs) It was hard to keep up with and hard to referee, but um, that seemed to be the the most fun. I mean, we would have to go down there on that old field at that old place where now Denver Christian is. Right. But there was an old field there, and we'd have to pick up rocks off the field. Mostly gravel. Mostly, Mostly gravel. Yes. <laughs> it was a nasty situation. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was, you know, we tried it. We kept the injuries. I kept a handful of Band-Aids in my pockets at sure. all times. Sure. That sort of thing. But we didn't ever get anybody uh, badly hurt, and that was... That was a lot of fun. That's That was education at its real grassroots. Yes. Well, it's tough to be more chaotic than kindergarten on a gravel field. I'm doing air quotes here. And then you introduce one more ball. I mean, it's yeah. just it, chaos is probably right. Yeah. Yeah. But Those are some sweet. sweet kids. And of course, they're all grown up now and they're about 
25 years old. And <laughs> the good thing about Denver is sometimes people stick around. So I yeah. still, you know, I still see some of those uh, two ball soccer uh, graduates. Yep. We appreciate that volunteering from way back and all the history that your family's had at the school. Do you, you want to talk at all about your kids and sort of what they're up to as uh, proud Lincoln Charter graduates? Sure. Yeah. They, I'm super proud of all of them. Uh, Chapel, my oldest, went fittingly to Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm graduated and then followed in my footsteps and is a sports writer now at the Columbia State who Mm -hmm. works in South Carolina. Salem just graduated App State and is uh, pursuing uh, becoming a personal trainer and he still lives in Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, London is also an app state where we're big mountaineers now in our family. Uh, he is he is now a sophomore. Many app state graduates, uh, you know, and, yep. and people who go, come from this school to go to app state, and he's he's friends with a bunch of them. And then Georgia is uh, is an eleventh grader here. I'm very proud of her. She is a real um, activist. She sees something wrong in the world and. If she Love wants it. to change it, you know, you'll be getting calls from her this year at some point for some <laughs> reason or another. She's, uh, yeah, whereas some people will keep quiet, she is loud on those issues, and I'm real proud of her. And, you know, think maybe, you know, who knows? I tell her she needs to be a civil rights lawyer or something. Love it. Sometimes we can lose a little bit of hope when we see the older folks in D.C. that are running the country and... For a little bit of hope, all we have to do is look to the younger generation, right? And oh, hopefully yeah. hopefully their uh, energy and ideas will help us to get better and grow and mature. As right. A yeah. If you ever think you're, you know, you've lost hope, just come volunteer at a school sometime and see. I mean, there are some great young people at, at all ages. And that's why I love to stick with this. And, you know, after my, my boys graduated that played tennis, I was just like, I can't leave it. Me and Coach Tim Powell, who, who was, basically does half of men's tennis team, mm-hmm. I should mention him, but... His son graduated too, Parker Powell, one of our all-time great players. But, you know, once our kids left, we were like, gosh, you know, it's too much fun to be around these young people. It's such a great time of their lives, you know. Teenagers can be challenging, but they're also just, I mean, you can see them blossom. Yeah. You know, almost uh, month by month. Watch them grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of kudos to coaches who have been around for a while. And I don't think, and this is something that, I can share very candidly with our our staff here and and folks like you that volunteer. I don't think that you'll ever have a true understanding of the impact that you have on on our kids. And you might know a little bit, but there's so much that you do that um, is just having a, an impact on the generation coming up. So I appreciate that, sir. And well, appreciate with you. that and the uh, big paycheck keeps me coming back. <laughs> Zero point yes, zero. Yes, uh, volunteer is the uh, is the operative word, and certainly very appreciated for. Oh, for that. absolutely! No, I, I, I love. We that. couldn't we couldn't pay you enough. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of what you do with the observer? I talked a little bit about that, but what does a maybe an average day look like for somebody with your role? Yeah, I'm a well, I'm a sports columnist, and the difference between a columnist and a normal newspaper reporter is one can insert more opinions into their stories. In my case, just about sports. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Panthers lose a game, what went wrong, that sort of thing. But I, I majored in journalism at UNC Chapel Hill. I, I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and then have been at The Observer now almost 30 years. Love it. It is a job I sort of fell into in college, didn't know what I was going to major in, and uh, found it there and really have always loved it ever since. Has its problems, for sure. You know, people use the media as a bad guy, especially politicians. You know, the media is bad, the media is this. 
media is very important. You know, mm-hmm. the uh, First Amendment guarantees a lot of press freedoms. And you see what happens if you don't have them in countries that are not democracies. So uh, in a larger sense, I'm proud of the profession. My particular job is I'm mostly interviewing athletes, coaches, writing stories, you know, maybe four times a week, roughly. And some of them are long and Mm -hmm. some of them are very short and quick, just about what happened at a football practice or something. And some might be something that's takes several weeks or, you know, a month or two, a project like Carruth, which was about a murder uh, in Charlotte that happened close to 25 years ago. And I worked on that for on and off for a couple of years. But all the time, I'm also writing little sort of like teaching a class. I guess you teach it every single day. Right. But then you might also be pursuing, like in your case, a doctorate or something. And this is that that long term goal. So I always try to have I always tell people, too, I think it's important to have a long term goal. So you don't just feel like you're spinning your wheels mm-hmm. day by day, but you're, you've got a little bit of a higher purpose. This is a softball question, um, <laughs> but as I'm not a uh, professional interviewer, obviously, is there a, an event that really gets your blood pressure up like you are so excited about? Yeah, I do like competition in almost all forms, but I guess that of the of all the events I've ever covered, I would say the Olympics are probably would be mm. number one, often because they're in such a, um, a new city that I'm learning about a new culture on the fly too. And they're just as wall to wall competition. You cover not one thing, but you can cover six things in a day if you want to. Um, so I haven't done one of those for a while, but I've done six of them in my career. I've been very fortunate. Maybe the best was uh, maybe Beijing, which was in 2008. And that's mainly just because I had never been to China, probably never would have gone otherwise. Mm-hmm. And to you know, kind of experience that culture was, was really cool. Yeah. What about particular to the Carolinas? Is there Mm. My guess would be Duke-UNC basketball game. Yeah, you can't really beat a UNC-Duke basketball game. So those, I would say my heart does kind of race on those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime the Panthers are doing well and like in a playoff game, those have a real, you know, significance. And I, but I will say this too. I don't get any more excited about a Panthers playoff game really than I do if I'm at a high school game and it's in triple overtime. Mm -hmm. I think the drama of a story doesn't really matter how good the athletes are. It just matters that they're evenly matched. That's what I always want to see. I despise watching 70 to zero in any way or form and coaching it the same way. I'm always wanting, uh, I've coached, I coach soccer and basketball too at a recreational level. And I always just want our teams to be more or less even. And when my team is way better or way worse than somebody else's team. I always feel kind of bad yeah. about that. Those preseason college football games that are like yeah. the, the other school paying the, yeah, like the guaranteed million games. dollars. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. People getting hurt left and right. right. Yeah, that part I don't like. I feel like I've got one of the best jobs on the planet, and I'm not just saying that, but I do, I'm a little envious of your job for sure. It's watching sports and getting, yeah. getting to have some of the experiences what about individual athletes? Is there any anyone that sticks out in your mind that has been fun really to cover? Fun. There's a bunch. Um, and honestly, the Sports Legends of the Carolina series that I'm doing now, which is a free podcast available mm-hmm. uh, anywhere you can get your podcast, just search Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I've gone back to a lot of these people yeah. because I like people that not only were kind of iconic for our area, but also just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay DeLome would be one. Jay Billis at Duke is just so smart. Mm-hmm. 
Roy Williams has always, you know, kind of been a favorite. We did Dawn Staley in Columbia. She is super interesting uh, basketball coach and real advocate for uh, women. There's a lot more, but that there's that's kind of where I've gone. You know, that yep. series because my career won't be going forever, and I've sort of I'm trying to use this kind of as an excuse <laughs> to visit some <laughs> of my very favorite people. Uh, we did Thomas Davis the other day. That one's coming out soon. The Panthers linebacker, and man, that guy, what a story! He was telling me about how twice in his he grew up in just abject poverty, and twice in his life. He didn't get a single Christmas present, not one, Wow! because they were so poor. But they, the, their mom had taught them to believe in Santa Claus, so he just thought he wasn't good enough. You know, that he didn't have a good enough year, so to speak, that he wasn't a good enough kid. Wow. And so that, and so he has since, I mean, just an amazing community work uh, to, to make sure, try as hard as he can for people in Charlotte, for mm-hmm. that not to happen to him. Yep. So... Those sorts of stories are powerful and the ones that probably I remember even more than games sometimes. Yeah. Is there anything you write for the Charlotte Observer, so you follow the Panthers and Charlotte FC and Hornets. The, the Hornets and yeah. sort of we were at a Knights game this last weekend mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun. Is there anything in particular about Charlotte and the, the Charlotte area and athletics that sticks out to you as a as an expert. That, yeah. A uh, couple of things. One is we don't, you don't realize how good you have it in Charlotte. I know you think Charlotte has traffic. People say, Oh, Charlotte's traffic's <laughs> terrible. No, Charlotte's traffic's unbelievably good for most big cities. I have been in a bunch, mm-hmm. probably almost every NFL stadium sitting in a couple mm-hmm. and Charlotte's entrance and egress from a stadium of whether it's Charlotte FC, whether it's a concert, whether it's a Panthers game, and this goes really for the Knights and the Hornets, too, mm-hmm. because they're all clustered downtown. Very lucky to have that. You don't want an arena out in the, in the boonies, really. And so that's one thing I try to tell people. That's good. Yeah. The traffic, <laughs> stop complaining. Go to Atlanta. You know, see how, uh, see how you like going to Washington, D.C. sometime or New York. Or I mean, there's just so many words. It's. It's way, way worse. Um, but I think, you know, I'm prejudiced in a way about Charlotte, but I think it's a it's a crown jewel, I mean, of uh, and and the surrounding area. Of course, I love Denver and we will never leave it. But uh, I think we, you know, sometimes we forget how fortunate we are yep. to live in the area where we live. Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the quotes that is, um, I don't want to say maybe speaking to me right now or that is, is fresh in my mind is uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Comparison is the thief of joy. And oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I love that one. It's, yeah. I didn't know that was so, Roosevelt. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's so easy in sports to compare yourself and to look at the standings and all the and yeah. all that. And that can... Well, in life, too. Yeah. In you know. Oh, I, yeah. you know, yeah, my house is... My car is pretty good, but look at this person who's got one, you know, that's uh, the next year model or something. It's just so comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need to write that on our chalkboard at home for the kids probably. Yeah. (laughs) No, they're good. They're good about that, but it's, it's just so natural. It's, it is tough. Yeah. Tough. uh, Keeping up with the Joneses, um, whether that's sports or life or whatever. You have, um, you haven't mentioned the, some of the other volunteering that you've done at the school um, that I've been been fortunate enough to see where um, you've come in and read to some classes and talked about your role as an author, as an example, and as a role model 
for writers, aspiring writers and aspiring authors. I know that you have good advice. Uh, I've heard you give some good advice to uh, to those classes and kids. Is there anything you'd like to share about uh, that part of your um, background and, and what you might propose from an advice perspective? Sure. I, I think with writing and this, you know, the good thing about writing is we're talking about sports and nonfiction stuff. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're not a fan of sports, that doesn't matter in terms of writing. Writing yeah. is writing. It will help you in life. Great so you got to get the through to your students, you know, or if, uh, I mean, you, it helps everyone. You've got to be able to write a clear email. You've got to be able to communicate it. I don't care if you're writing in a text. I mean, good gracious, how many miscommunications are there by text every single day? You've got to be able to write clearly. So the easiest way to do that boils down to six words. And I stole this from Stephen King in his writing book. Uh, and this is not a carry reference or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gross here. But he wrote, he wrote one of the best books on writing ever. And uh, he says, write a lot. That's three of them and read a lot, read a lot, write a lot and read a lot. And if you don't have time to read a lot, you will not become a good writer. You're not getting the reps as they would say in sport. You gotta be, you gotta be reading. I don't care if you're reading on a smartphone, digitally, whatever, but you gotta write a lot and read a lot. And then the other thing is you need to practice telling stories sort of aloud, telling it to an audience, making people, making kind of understanding when people are looking away and getting bored versus when they're really on the edge of their seat and listening to good storytellers. And that's all kind of part fiction, you know, as well as nonfiction, but, you know, fiction reading for pleasure. I do a lot of that. I love to read. Pat Conroy is my all-time favorite. Uh, okay. Reds of Tides is probably my all-time favorite book, but I, I read a lot. I read pretty widely and it's mostly fiction. I mm-hmm. write mostly nonfiction. I did write one fictional book and you mentioned uh, that you, uh, alluded to there, Lost on the Road to Nowhere. I've had the privilege of, that's a book for around third, fourth, and fifth grade, but Lost on the Road to Nowhere, I have sort of come in and talked to kids about that in fifth grade, uh, off and on for years at both uh, Denver and Lincolnton campuses. And uh, that's so much fun because that's just such an appreciative audience. They're, you know, usually they at least claim they like it. So, you know, <laughs> I think probably the ones who don't, you know, don't tell me, but uh I get to talk to them about sort of cliffhangers and the other things. I w- other thing I would say is use active verbs. Get away from those passive verbs. Give me active verbs. Do something. Don't is something or was something. Do mm-hmm. something. Good advice. I wasn't expecting a Stephen King reference, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> family, you never know where these fam- go. Family friendly. <laughs> Family friendly, Stephen. Family friendly, Stephen. Yeah, and I, I don't think in the in those reading sessions, I don't think there's a lot of kids that are humoring you in uh, uh, pretending to to like well, your stories because I I don't th- and this is coming from a former middle school social studies teacher, which is a lot about stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. telling the stories that you know we should be learning from in the past. There's not a lot of people that just don't like stories. Everyone and, likes a good story. Yeah, yeah. So, so writing and reading a lot is applicable to everybody, really. Well, right. I mean, you say, well, I don't like to write or I don't like to read, but you probably do like a story that your best friend is telling you about something. Right. And a lot of times when I sometimes mentor younger journalists and they say, I just don't understand, I don't know what the lead is, which is the first paragraph, the first sentence and paragraph is what we call the lead. And I said, well, tell me the highlights of it. And whatever they start with first often really needs to be the lead. I mean, you you need a, a headline to mm-hmm. sort of get people interested. Yep. And then you need a dramatic beginning. 
if you don't have that in today's attention span, you're just losing, yep. you know, they're on to the next TikTok video. So yeah. you've got to have, uh, you know, and, and TikTok, you know, and those sorts of social media for all its flaws is good at showing you how quickly you have to grab someone's attention and hopefully in a positive way. But there, you can't be a lot of what we call throat clearing. You can't, <clears throat> you know, you can't go six paragraphs like Nathaniel Hawthorne used to when there was no smartphones. <laughs> Yeah. I think the Scarlet Letter is one of the most overrated books of all time. I can't stand that book. <laughs> I hope you're not teaching it, uh, Miss Helms or whoever teaches that. But uh, I did not like it. I had to read it, I think, in high school and maybe in college twice. That's probably part of the reason. Mm -hmm. I just think he had a great story, but he couched it in so much boring language. Now, I know it was 200 years ago. Yeah. But still, there's a lot of great writing from 200 years ago that's a lot easier to get through for me than Hawthorne. I love John Steinbeck and Hemingway and, you know, but those are more conversational writers. And that's always been a little bit more of my sweet spot. Yeah. Well, and it's a former role for me at Lincoln Charter was athletic director. I got the great privilege of getting essentially sports columns on the tennis team from <laughs> from uh, Coach Fowler. That's right. The blow by An blow. audience of uh, and, six or seven. Yes. And uh, watching uh, sort of watching a master at work with middle school and high school tennis was awesome for me to be sort of on the sidelines and watch. So, and I know all of those kids and all of those parents so appreciated your digest of uh, each match. So those, those, <laughs> those have gotten those shorter cool. over the years. Those four kids today aren't getting, uh, you know, yeah, 12 paragraphs on number three singles. Yeah, well, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Coach Fowler, tell me a little bit about your college experiences. You mentioned Chapel Hill, and you've had uh, uh, your oldest following your footsteps, which has got to be kind of cool. Um, what was What was your Chapel Hill experience like? It was great. I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So, mm -hmm. you know, down, if you just go back by the big peach in Gaffney, about 20 yep. more miles, yep. that's where I grew up. So I tell people I went north to school and north being just uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Had a great journalism program, but I didn't know that at a time. I just picked it as a, because it's good liberal arts school. Yep. Uh, my experience there was really good like a lot of people is in college i got on the student newspaper uh, oddly enough my wife elise and i went there the exact same four years never met each other really school of twenty five thousand. you can see that and we were majored sure. in different things so we just never did i took that escalator in uh yeah this in was the observer. A, the, the observer like seven years after that Isn't wow that weird that is, yeah and then we're like and then I, I got a report card one time i was looking at it i was like how we never did, but we never had the same class or anything. Huh. I always like this question on your podcast, of which I am a big fan, by the way, uh, and that of, you know, what would you have done differently in college? So one thing I would have done differently was I tried, I was very competitive about a weird thing, and that was GPA. Like I really protected it. Okay. Like I took courses mm -hmm. that I knew I could make an A in, mm -hmm. you know, because I was trying to... Uh, I don't know. I had this goal of being Phi Beta Kappa. I was. It turned out not to matter a bit in my profession. <laughs> Did not matter. Not not saying get bad grades. Sure. But sure. I so <clears throat> wish I had taken a few more classes where I could have made B's or even a C in it, but learned some more. Like there was, for instance, a great photography teacher there. He was fantastic. Hmm. Everyone knew that. Mm -hmm. He got great reviews on, you know, our, whatever our version of ratemyprofessors.com was. Right. 
I didn't take his class because it was supposed to be really hard. He only gave like one A, you know, per semester and a bunch mm-hmm. of B's and stuff. And then I, then I really regretted it because it turns out I've had to take hundreds of pictures in my journalistic career. I don't know why I thought I could just be a writer. You so often have to illustrate your own stories. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great basis to do it. I didn't take it. Uh, and there were a few others like that of, you know, professors who were known as hard graders that I wish that I had, had you know, no one has ever, Jonathan, ever asked me what my GPA was. <laughs> ever, <laughs> you know. Um, we can we can break that news yeah, today on well, Edge no, of the Area. No, we won't. We're not going to say it now either. It wasn't like that fantastic or anything, but I'm just saying I just was too wound up in that, and instead mm-hmm. I should have given myself a few more experiences, getting outside my own comfort zone, you know, a little bit. And I, I will say I did do that in some other ways. I was involved in a co-ed service fraternity that was uh, basically made, mostly did community service stuff. And and that was a eye-opening experience for me. So, you know, that's what I would just say. Obviously, get involved. Don't just go to class and go home. You've got to make friends, all that stuff. But you also... You just need to let yourself make a few mistakes. Mm-hmm. And and I probably was a little too worried about the next step and getting the next internship to lead to the next job to allow myself a couple more mistakes. Well, then it all worked out well. I mean, you got a beautiful family. Well, and a great career, did. But, uh, I think it would have worked out great anyway. Though, yeah. You know, and I just would have I just would have been a little bit more well-rounded. But I will say Chapel Hill is a fantastic place to to go to school. And and but there's a lot of I mean, I didn't know a lot about App State until my two kids went there. Mm-hmm. My best friend and, and uh, one of my best friends in high school went to NC State. He has had a great experience. I've had a number of nephews go to State, Duke. I mean, do you know this, Jonathan, that the I read this somewhere, I think in the New York Times, North Carolina students, high school students stay in state for college at a at a bigger percentage than any other state in the country. That there's, you know, we stay, I don't remember what the percentage is, but it's really high. We just don't have a lot going out of state. And I think that speaks to right. how good the college system is. Yeah. Yeah. I think So I, go to college. I don't even think it matters what college so much as just going to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, um, so you touched on sort of challenging yourself and sometimes mm-hmm. opening yourself up for what can appear to be failure at the time, but that's, that is honestly how humans learn in a lot of ways is by not winning or not succeeding a hundred percent of the time. Absolutely. that's, I think that's, I think that's sound advice. And you, and you mentioned a service fraternity. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Fraternities probably, that was what it's called. It was not, it didn't do much fraternity stuff, but we did do, we were co-ed, Alpha mm-hmm. Phi Omega is okay. what it's called. And it, I think they still have branches uh, at a lot of campuses today, but whether it's that or something else, I mean, it just was like, you know how community service is for a lot of people. And I, yes. I put myself in this category too. I don't know. I don't know if I have time to do that. I don't know. If I, and then you get there and then you're very happy you were there, yep. you know? So that sort of, in college, I didn't do much of that in high school. I'm glad we have that program here, and we we didn't have something that counted service hours at Dorman High School in Spartanburg. So, mm-hmm. uh, so in college was the first time I really got very involved in that. You know, I don't know, reading to kids mm-hmm. and 
some other things that we that we did that were just around campus, like you know, beautifying the campus and stuff. But all that make you know, just it's sticky. It makes you, it makes it stickier, right? It makes you stick to the campus. It stick to you. That's what you want. You know, you want people to be engaged, and so so I'm really what do we call it? LSE, Learn, Serve, Engage. Learn, Serve, Engage. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think yep. it's one of the best things we do. Yeah. There are varying levels of of this in America, but to be in America, we're pretty blessed as a country and as a culture. Um, and we all have our, there's things that can be improved for sure. But when you're blessed, there is, in my mind, some, a little bit of an obligation to give back and to help those that are maybe need help or are less fortunate. And that feels good. Like it oh, just, yeah. it just has a good, uh, fills your bucket maybe, um, at least for me. So yeah, to so, whom much is given, much is required. Right? That's right. That's great. So you mentioned, uh, what you might, might do differently or is, was there anything else that you were involved in that was part of Chapel Hill? For me, uh, intramural sports was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would encourage people to get involved in that. It's just, it's right there, yep. right on campus, five minutes to the games. Oh, I played all kinds of stuff. You know, it, it was even a lot of stuff I wasn't even very good at, but, you know, we'd get a few guys together or sometimes it'd be co-ed. And um, I remember playing a, in a softball game where I played center field against UNC's basketball team, which had made a... Okay. Uh, and it turned out we beat them because they weren't very good at softball. <laughs> a bunch of 6'10 guys, you know, that they couldn't get down to field ground balls and stuff. But that was one of my fonder memories, I think, of the... Um, Jordan wasn't on that team. I was in school at the same time as Jordan, but by then he had, he had uh, left to fame and fortune. But mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of the other UNC basketball players from the '80s. But anyway, those kind of things. I, you know, my boys, Chapel and Salem, in particular, I played a lot of. I played intramurals. And yep. I think it's just another whatever it is you get involved, whether it's a religious organization or a service organization, it's a fraternity or whatever. You got to get in something though, right? You mm-hmm. just can't just show up and, and go home, I think that's that's where you have probably some issues. And the other thing I would say is if you're going to college, use the office hours. The professors actually, yeah, that's a lot of people don't show up for office hours. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. And so if they're making office hours, that's part of their job. And they want they normally want to help you. I mean, most educators want to help students, yeah. right? But you've yep. got to, the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease in high school or college or, or really in life. you got to raise your hand and say, Hey, I don't understand mm-hmm. this. Those are the way a lot of opportunities come. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you're right about most educators want to be helpful. They want their students to be successful. And sometimes as an educator, you don't know what your students need, but mm-hmm. if they're asking questions and they're engaged, it helps you to be a better teacher and helps you to do your job. So showing up for office hours is a good, that's good, yeah. good advice. <laughs> Thinking back to your your high school days prior to Chapel Hill, knowing that some of our listeners may be high schoolers or, or parents of existing high schoolers, is were there any decisions in high school that you made that helped you be successful in college or beyond? Well, I tried to. I've been pretty good in my whole life of not procrastinating too much. Okay. I've always been a person who likes to be not under the gun. Like in college, I never pulled an all-nighter. Okay. I would have friends that pulled an all-nighter every single week. They yep. just waited, 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 yep. and then wrote a paper, you know, at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I've never been that person. Um, and I know people get it done that way. 
and it is a great motivator <laughs> to know it's due at letting this, you know, at Lincoln Charter, eleven fifty nine p.m. or whatever. But a lot of things could go wrong. You know, video cannot be working on your computer, whatever. Yep. Um, I like so that is some. I think if you if you stay on it, you know. And the other thing is, I would say uh, that probably helped me in high school, but also in general, is just show up. Mm -hmm. Like, just go. Like half of it is uh, is just being there for the classes. I hated to miss a class in college, even if I didn't really understand it. You know, just just being there, you absorb so much. And so I think in the same way we we're talking about interviewing earlier, but like I always love to do interviews in person. I do not like Zoom interviews. The COVID for many reasons was awful. One of them professionally for me was I didn't get to see people in person. Right. I'm a naturally social person. I like to see people, but in general, you just need to be around people, I think. So in high school, same sort of thing. You just want to get involved, talk to your teachers. Your teachers are not your enemies. Yeah. Your teachers are your friends. They should be. Your support group. That's yeah. your support group. Now, some you have a better connection than others, but, you know, or your coaches or mm -hmm. guidance counselors, whatever. You got to have one or two advocates in your, I think, in your, they're older, whether they're mentors or whatever, but you need some people on your side, you know, get your group, get your tribe together. Think it is not just you. It is you plus your friends and you know, whatever. So I think that's, that's important. And so I, I think I realized that pretty early. You don't, you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to have teammates and really in anything. A family is just a big team, right? Yep. I mean, a school's a bigger team and workplace should be a team. And it's great advice. You mentioned having somebody older, maybe that you look up to. Do you have a hero or a mentor or somebody that you'd like to, to mention? Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of, I still keep up with, um, well, one of them just passed away, but I, I kept up with two of my high school teachers for 40 years. Wow. Not all the time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't stalking them at their door, you right, know. Right. But um, not not as much college professors, I guess. But uh, you know, I had I was fortunate. I had great parents, and my mom's still alive. My dad's passed away. Super close to both of them. Mm -hmm. Great sister. Um, so I had a you know a nuclear family, and was very fortunate. I know now that that, that we had that. But yeah. Um, you know, I had a couple of uh, coaches over the years. I played tennis, and mm -hmm. uh, but I guess teachers as much as anything, and then editors. Like in my profession, it's been editors. I had a guy named Gary Schwab who hired me at the Charlotte Observer and was my main editor, and Mike Persinger, those two guys, were, and Harry Pickett, I had three of them. Mm -hmm. So it was very fortunate. I latched onto them early. They were all older and knew more, and and they stuck around a long time and, and taught me so much. I mean, you can learn so much, but you got to talk to people. Mm -hmm. You can't learn it all online. Don't go to the Wikipedia page yeah. and hope for the best. You know, that is not, <laughs> you get so much more done in a 10 minute phone conversation than in 70 texts back and forth. Well, and I think that is not surprising that you have a number of people that have contributed to you as a person and as a writer and author and, and whatnot. And that's one reason why I'm less concerned about the robots taking over the world and AI being mm. the thing that puts us all out of jobs because mm. really human interaction is so important and that can't be artificially done in, 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 in a lot of ways. And it's great to hear that you've had some good influences and not surprising. 
because that that human that human component is just that's irreplaceable. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah, I mean, think how many times you've told Hey Siri to do this or Alexa to do that, and they play the wrong song or whatever. I mean, that's right. that is AI. <laughs> you know, AI is is it's going to change all of our lives. There's sure. no doubt about that. Sure, but there's no substitute for this sitting across from each other or sitting in front of a classroom and when kids light up, you know, yep. about something or when you're watching them, uh, you know, coach and, you know, uh, I coach, uh, coach soccer for like 15 years at a local youth soccer league. And when a kid scores for the first time mm-hmm. at that moment, irreplaceable, yep. Yep. you know, yep. and you know, if the gully was AI or robotic, I don't think it would be quite the same. <laughs> Wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be the same. I'm always looking for good book recommendations. Is there anything that you've read recently or any you can give to our to me and or our listeners? Well, I do love Pat Conroy, who I will reread sometimes just for the language. Pat Conroy is deceased now, but he wrote a lot of books that were made into movies. They are all set in the Carolinas, usually in the Beaufort, South Carolina area, which is a lot where he grew up. But he mm-hmm. wrote one about the Citadel, where he went to school, but it's a fictionalized version, hazing, drama. Oh, it's fantastic, called The Lords of Discipline. The Prince of Tides is a book about the main heroes, like a football coach who's mm-hmm. got some problematic issues. And, is, and uh, they're all kind of sort of based on his life. There's one called The Water is Wide. I don't know if you ever read that. Mm-mm. 50 years ago, Pat Conroy, his first job was a teacher, and he taught poor African-American kids at a island off of South Carolina's coast that you had to go to by ferry. Kids that had been so poorly educated, they didn't know the world was round, literally. Mm-hmm. That story, The Water is Wide, was later made into a really good movie. But I've been preaching Pat Conroy for years with my kids. I finally got all three of my boys <laughs> to read uh, a lot of Pat Conroy. And London's like, he was just devouring The Water is Wide recently. Read the whole thing in like two or three days. So these books, they kind of, they hold up. Yep. But, you know, I mean, I, I read sometimes just for fun, too. There's an author I like called Harlan Coben, who is a fictional author and writes kind of like, crime mysteries and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll read some things. Uh, I mean, most of the times I honestly just read for pleasure. I feel yeah. like I'm working. I don't read a lot of biographies of great men or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I read about big music fans. So I read okay. a lot of, uh, you know, some music journalism. I subscribed to Rolling Stone for a long time. Music and sports have a lot of similarities yep. when you're writing about yep. them. It doesn't really even matter what you read. I mean, you just need to read. I don't want people to think you got to read a 500 page book. I mean, read one page at night. Read. I mean, the Bible has some wonderful literature in it. Whatever you like to read, there's good writing everywhere. You just have to seek it out. Lots of uh, lots of work ahead all, uh, for all of us for that <laughs> well, list. That's great. That's a. I don't mean to be a no. There's uh, too professorial. <laughs> <laughs> I always appreciate a good book recommendation from somebody that I appreciate and that has has good taste because I I think having a wide variety is important um, and, and especially with with anyone that's looking to relate to people other people because the way that I see the world is just the way that I see the world it's interesting to see the way that other people see the world. Yes, it really is. It's wonderful to read about a culture outside of your own sometimes mm-hmm. too, which reminds me of the Kite Runner, which is yep. set in Afghanistan. And, you know, some of those, uh, I think that's that's really cool too. Yep. It's nice to read about, you know, heroes and heroines who aren't 
don't have anything. And I, honestly, I like the Harry Potter series a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the Harry Potter series is is very well written. I know there's some controversy around J.K. Rowling, but in general, I think as in terms of reading, that's one I always recommend to uh, to students who yeah. are kind of you know sort of advanced and can get through a 500 page book. Yeah. That's a really good one to to try. Yeah. Back to that, everybody loves a good story. So, yeah. which is which is great job security for for a uh, journalist like yourself. So, mm. well, let's hope. <laughs> is there anything about you that most people wouldn't know? Well, I'm sure there is. Let's see. I need to get a lease in here for this one to see what. <laughs> see what I'm to a really do, I'm uh, a really inveterate knuckle cracker. I haven't cracked ah. uh, during this, but that's a bad habit that I'll sometimes mm -hmm. do out of just nervousness or just having my hands, you know, just like I've got them placed here now, you know, on the table. So I'm not. I'm making sure I don't do don't that. Don't fidget. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I still play tennis regularly myself, playing a lot of, some of my best friends are, are tennis buddies, I guess. So I coach, but I also do, I still play competitively in like adult tournaments. You're pretty, you're pretty accomplished. Uh, Decently for, yeah. for a recreational player. Yeah. I mean, let's not overstate it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're playing, if it's in a, Plus 55 a league, you know, where everyone's got gray hair like me. I'm decent. Yeah. What's your, so here's a, here's a controversial topic to throw at you. What is your view on pickleball? Pickleball. Don't like it. Trying, <laughs> trying to open my mind, but there is a big anti pickleball sentiment in the it's, tennis world. Number one problem, the noise. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That thunk, thunk. It's just the, you know, a tennis ball makes this nice little thunk, thunk. And a pickleball is like you're taking a pad, I mean, you are, you're taking a paddle and hitting a big piece of plastic as hard as you can. And it just sounds, I mean, it, it is, it, all over America, there's fights between tennis and pickleball because pickleball tries to take over the same courts. Yep. So, yep. Um, but I will say, I'm glad to see people out, you know, racket sport. I mean, we're all cousins, I guess, but <clears throat> that's a cousin I'm having to work a little harder to like. You know, I, I give it a begrudging respect, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's as controversial as it gets on Edge of the Erie. Uh, <laughs> right. That's uh, it's it's so funny to watch pickleball and how it is really just dramatically blown up in popularity. And I I graduated high school in 1996. Okay. Uh, went to high school in Ohio, and we played a lot of pickleball when I was really? in high school. Same and, rules? Uh, same rules. Oh and obviously in Ohio, you can't go outside for the better part of the year because the weather stinks. Mm -hmm. And so we um, in PE class would set up a pickleball court, and my best friend and his brother and his brother's best friend we had, I mean, we had so much fun playing pickleball, but I had little, little forewarning that that was going to... Wow, what if you had invested in that just yeah, on the invest, you know, just on the side? I just didn't know that that was going to make me so estranged from all the tennis people in my life <laughs> and, uh, right. later on. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, good to see people outside active. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll certainly, always certainly, vote for that. But. Certainly, the Mason Dixon line um, is uh, mm. is the the line between the tennis courts and the pickleball courts mm -hmm. right now, for sure. Yeah. So you're, as we mentioned, accomplished author and have a number of projects that you've, you have currently going or over the years, anything you'd like to plug or promote? Well, 
I would just say, if you feel led to, subscribe to the Charlotte Observer, which you can do at charlotteobserver.com. Mm-hmm. Help promote local journalism. Uh, we're we're doing okay a lot, of, but there are a lot of what we call news deserts in America now, where papers just go away in a small town, and there's no one holding anybody accountable anymore. Mm-hmm. Politicians can run roughshod, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Somebody embezzles money, nobody's catching them. You know, a lot of times... Journalists are the ones who do that investigating. So, of course, my part's a little more fun. I do mainly sports. So if you're Panthers or Hornets or, uh, you know, fan of any of the college teams, so we do a lot of that coverage, too, at charlotteobserver.com. Uh, the podcast I do is called Sports Legends of the Carolinas. You can find that pretty much anywhere. It's free. Uh, we taped an episode here not long ago, Jonathan. Y'all were kind enough to let me use the gym when I needed a gym for Tommy Burleson, who is an NC State former player many years ago, but played on a national championship team, basketball player. Mm-hmm. Seven foot two, and he's still seven foot two, all of it. Wow. We went to uh, Stacy's afterwards, took him to lunch at Denver, and he was recognized like four or five times in Stacy's. And I think it's just because you can't hide seven foot two. Yeah. They were like, he looks famous. I'm just not sure who he is. <laughs> One of those kind of things. But um, yeah, so those two, you know, Sports Legends of the Carolinas actually is going, has been popular enough. We're turning it into a book. So it will be a book in um, November where we just basically are compiling the interviews and photos. So those are my, those are my two big projects. But of course, my biggest project besides family and, uh, and the kids is, is the 2024 Lincoln Charter tennis season. That's coming up not too long. So looking forward to that. Shameless plug for <laughs> any uh, guys out there that are yeah. look, looking to get away from their pickleball. Stay habit. away from yeah. that pickleball. Yeah. Come out here and hit a couple of balls <laughs> at Westport. We, we've got a beautiful setup out there. We're very very uh, fortunate to have Club at Westport as yes. a longtime partner of uh, Lincoln Charter School for many, many years. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Stacy's. Where should our listeners not miss from a going out to eat perspective in this area? In here, well, we like, um, we go to Westlake pretty often for breakfast, yep. mainly. Love the, uh, love the, mo- there's a mom's and a pop's breakfast, and I actually like the mom's. I don't know what that says about me, but okay. it's just different, different, <laughs> you know, ingredients of stuff. But um, then there's something called a breakfast burrito there. We're big fans of. But we also like My Brother's Bagel, and we're more That's breakfast right. people. Yep. Citrus is good. I mean, yep. I like, you know, as much as possible to support sort of uh, local restaurants. Not that I'm not happy we're getting a Starbucks finally in Denver. I think that's sure. also, that's good news. But but yeah, we when we go out, we normally try to stay uh, stay as local as we can. Tough to beat a good breakfast spot. And I know uh, my brother's bagel has a Lincoln Charter connection. It does. Um, and mm-hmm. so my, uh, um, my family's a big fan of that, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, along with all the other ones that you mentioned. So... Yeah. Well, you know, the other one that I really like is, and I'm blanking on the name here for a second. It's the Cuban place right by Wendy's. Miami Fusion. Miami Fusion. I knew it had Miami in it. Miami Fusion is fantastic. You know, Zach Galifianakis was in there one day. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The comedian. Yeah. I mean, I talked to the, I I saw it on some Facebook page and then I asked one of the couple of the people there Uh if it was really true. Got in there. Who knows why I was here? Ate by himself. They told me what he ordered, left a big tip, and got on out the door. He's a he's a North Carolina native. Yeah, right? I think he went to state for a little while. Uh-huh. Um, 
I don't think he finished because he got, you know, too famous. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, he was as Zach Galifianakis. I mean, the hangover, all those moves, but he was Between in Denver and that's where he ate yeah. Miami fusion. I'm who knows the story. Now that's, that's a journalistic question I'd like to answer there. Breaking news mm. right here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, anything else you'd like to mention coach? No, I don't think so. I just want to, I guess I'd just say thank you for, all you've done for this school, Jonathan, we've been friends a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, I love the leadership team here that we have now, Jay Martin. I mean, Trish Amos, I, you know, I've known these people for a long time and yep. we just, I mean, so many more, but we're just big fans of Lincoln charter. And I would just say, you know, what we were talking about earlier, there's problems at every place, every workplace, every school, every family or whatever, but we need to remember how lucky we are really at this mm -hmm. school. And that's why we've been involved for, you know, 50 school years through four kids and 20 years in the school and as volunteers. We love this place. So we're thankful for this place and thank you for running it. Thank you for that. And, um, it's, it's a privilege and, and we are, we are very, very fortunate as a community and, we had several folks that were staff spotlights at the most recent board meeting. And I think about 80% of them were crying uh, it, during their, uh, their little presentation because they just love this place so much. Oh, and nice. it's a, uh, it, it really is uh, trying to do the right thing for the family. So appreciate you, sir. I tell parents that all of the positive things that we're trying to accomplish as an educational environment and community and institution, um, we can't do it on our own. As, as staff members, it really takes a partnership and you and your family is a true representation of what that partnership can look like. And so appreciate all the hard work, the uh, two soccer volleyball and the one broken bone and um, appreciate you very much. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And encourage our listeners to listen to the rest of season two. And again, thank Coach Scott Fowler for his time today. And this is Jonathan Bryant signing off. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for listening to The Edge of the Aerie. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms, and Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you might also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Spotify app to create each episode, which can be found at podcasters.spotify.com. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Feel free to rate or review this podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.